Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You know the difference between hockey and those other sports? You gotta be tough to be a hockey I idolized Dominic Hasek. I played goalie because of Dominic Hasek. My life in hockey has been started because of Sabres hockey. I didn't need playoffs this year. I wanted it, but I didn't need it. But when you screw up for the fans as much as the team has over the last, like, five years, and just don't hold yourself accountable, I'm sorry. I'll hang up and listen. I'm sorry. Welcome to Two Goalies, One Mike, an in-depth look and behind-the-mask conversation about the greatest game on earth, where everything goes and nothing's off-limits. Now I'll tell you something about this guy. This is only three minutes, eh? Whammo! Welcome, everybody, to episode 108 of Two Goalies, One Mike. I am your host, Dwayne, without Cully, but joined by none other than producer Steve, the new host of Where the Buffalo Roam, um, and now making his Two Goalies, One Mike debut. You may know him from Twitter as at Suffalo Babers, one of the more up-and-coming Sabres Twitter accounts, but we call him Sage. Boys, how the hell are you doing? Good after last night. Right? <laughs> Hard to have any points after last night, Dwayne. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was trying desperately to do an I'll hang up and listen last night from the uh, Los Angeles LAX airport and couldn't get it going. Steve was st- Steve stayed up with as late as he possibly could with me because <laughs> he, he was fired up, but couldn't get it done. The Wi-Fi was causing me a lot of issues. I'm glad we can get here together tonight to recap a – 1-0 start for the Buffalo Sabres, and technically, regardless if they won last night or not, a higher higher in the standings than the Toronto Maple Leafs. And who doesn't like to hate on the Toronto Maple Leafs whenever we get the chance? So, <laughs> Absolutely. Stop the count. You know, we're in the yeah. playoffs. The Lightning are not. The Caps are not. Let's go. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. So uh, just to kick things off here, um, a lot of great talking points, as I listed in the tweet. Um, you know, you have J.J. Paterka in his uh, NHL debut, and his Sabres debut, scoring a very nice goal in transition. Um, there, everything was great and pretty about that goal. Both first two goals, that and the dialing goal. Um, uh, you know, you, Steve, you know I, have, for a while, have been a big supporter of J.J. Paterka. I always said if it came down to only one roster spot being available, I didn't want them to just to hand it to Jack Quinn. I would want to make him fight for it because I personally always thought that JJ was the more complete hockey player, um, you know. And uh, I, I I think that he really just started to give us a glimpse of what he brings to the table, things that we've already seen. Um, and he, you know, he picked up right where he left off last year in the AHL playoffs, where he absolutely played out of his mind. Um, and I'm happy you're happy to see it. Yeah, I mean, uh, it definitely, you know, there's definitely something to be said for uh, having Dylan Cousins as your centerman and uh, also being able to 
play alongside uh, Peyton Krebs on that line as well, who he did spend an awful lot of time with the playing with 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 the Amherst last year. But yeah, no, I mean, I've definitely kind of held a similar opinion that if you know if you had to choose only one of the two kids, while JJ Paterka's offensive upsides and ceiling may not be quite as high as Jack's. Ultimately, I think he's just a more well-rounded player. Like he, he has a little bit more to offer on the defensive side when needed. Uh, I don't know. I just, I you know, I feel like the ability to be both a goal scorer and a playmaker is, uh, you know, I feel like that's what a lot of forwards are just like kind of hybriding into, like uh, you know, just pure unadulterated snipers. While they, you know, are obviously elite. Like no one's ever going to take anything away from a guy like Alexander Ovechkin. But it's guys like Sidney Crosby who can not only bury it, but also just find these ridiculous passes to better their line mates. Like those are the like those are the guys that just, you know, it's one thing to score goals, but you know, to have that kind of ability can just complete an entire complete an entire line, make a power play truly, you know, deadly. And yeah, I, I mean, you know, it was just one goal by JJ Paterka, but he you know, him and Cousins put in the work to win the wall battle. They put in the work to get the separation they needed from defensemen. They clean passes, and it paid off for uh, a goal that, with the 15,000 people at this year's home opener, just blew the fucking roof off the place. Like, the energy was ridiculous. Like, it, w- it was close to the energy I felt when we were at RJ night last year. And I'm not even, like, I'm not even exaggerating. Like, it was, ri- and it's just night one of 42 in that barn. And, and, and oh, go ahead, say go ahead. I was just gonna say, just bring it back to Paterka. It's funny he had an interesting training camp where you weren't too sure what you were gonna get out of him. He actually didn't look that great in the couple of preseason games that he I didn't. saw. Like he, you know, and I, I think uh, I'm, I'm almost positive that uh, Meatballs was talking about him the other day or uh, yesterday after uh, after the game, just saying he had a, he had a rough uh, rough go of it. But then you know, as that game goes along, you see that line come together, easily our best line by far. Mm-hmm. And now you're also thinking why the hell is he not on a power play that power play looked rough last night and you're thinking to yourself you know you have a kid that hasn't had that very you know great of, of a training camp comes in scores a goal looks great all night i'm like throw him in there <laughs> take somebody off and you know it, it's crazy how much he's improved over this last two weeks you know you're going from possibly not making the team one of the best players on the ice let's see what he can do on a power play at this point I, I agree. I uh, I was watching as much as I possibly could because, again, the three-hour time difference, I was uh, out in California for work. Um, we didn't wrap up things until, like, literally right around puck drop. So from the, trans- from the transport from the facility to where we were to the hotel, it was just a little bit of a rough, so I tried to stream when I could. But, yeah, I caught that, that first power play, and they gave up a couple shorthanded chances. Um, things look shaky, but again, as time went on again, these guys, this group in itself together, hasn't played together really much at all during the preseason. They got really one glimpse of it. So I, uh, you know, as the game went on, they started to clean things up and it really started to take full form in the second period. Um, and again, you saw that, that, that goal from that, that, that goal from Darlene where he started the rush out of the zone and there was probably four passes in between when he first, he made the first pass and everything about that was just flawless and beautiful. And that's really the type of brand of hockey we want to see here in Buffalo. That's the type of brand of hockey we never saw under Ralph Kruger because he just, it was, it was just like, you know, 
I don't know. I don't. I don't throw boogers to him. I don't know. Like it, it was just like it, it had nothing to do with that brand of hockey. And you never saw Darlene skate with that kind of confidence. You know what I loved to see last night? I don't know if you guys picked it up, but on penalty kills, there was a chance where I think there was a two on two. I'm pretty sure Own Power was on one of those two on twos, and Darlene on a penalty kill. Like that. that it's when you talk about the brand of hockey that Kruger was playing it has yeah. nothing to do with these defensemen being involved at all, at all. Well, his goal, he was literally in front of the net. Yeah. It, it literally in front of that. Yeah. And it wasn't like he was doing a flyby. He went to the front of the net and stayed there. He yeah. waited. He was planting. Yep. He knew exactly what he wanted, and he got it. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's just kind of like the night and day difference. I mean, Ralph Kruger's whole philosophy was like a low-event style, which I guess you could make an argument in his favor to some extent that when the Sabres were historically involved in high event games, they would get absolutely shelled. They would just yep. get obliterated. So if you put, if you try to, you know, tailor the game to be a low event style, then you dictate the pace and you don't get shelled quite as hard. But then of course, in so doing, you kneecap guys like Rasmus Dahlin and you, you know, sequester guys like Jeff Skinner, who could be 30, 40 goal scorers to the fourth line uh, in no man's land. Uh, you keep uh, Tage Thompson, you know, doing basically nothing. You know, I, you know, just all this offensive talent that you just squander it in a low event style like that. So just to see that, yeah, obviously a high event style like the one we play can be a little bit uh, risky. Uh, but, you know, you, you got to risk it if you want the biscuit. And uh, they got the biscuit four times last night. And it was uh, really fun to see. I mean, yeah, two of them were empty netters. Olofsson leading goal scorer. Yeah, Olofsson's the leading goal scorer. Shock, shock, surprise. Hey, he did the he did it five on five. He did it. Technically, he did it six on technically five. Technically five on six. Yeah, yeah he did it short, too, too shorthanded. So uh, I don't want to hear they can only produce on the power play, guys. He put those in shorties. <laughs> but it's nice because we're mentioning guys like, like Skinner and Thompson. And although they weren't, I mean, you know, Thompson per se wasn't that involved in the game. I think Skinner was was fairly involved. It's nice that we won a game where everyone kind of contributed. You know, you, you have these young guys that step up to the plate. Even that fourth line at one point in time, like Gergensen's, uh, Asplin, and, and Ocposo, at the end of the game, they were the one controlling play in, uh, in uh, Ottawa's end. So it's nice to see that this team is kind of like starting to form where you're getting a full, complete team effort. And when your top guys aren't on, you have, you know, those middle six guys, those bottom six guys coming into play. Agreed. I, uh, you know, again, we were a little hesitant, um, you know, in the off season, they, they brought back Kenestroza, which I didn't love, but I didn't hate. I get it. He's good in the locker room. The guys like him. Um, you know, Anders Bjork still beat on this roster is quite the anomaly to me. Um, I just don't get it. Uh, <laughs> personally, I, with all that, with all, I mean, I got, I get it. You know, this is, this is going to be a process to get this team eventually to the playoffs, but I just don't understand how and why Anders Bjork is part of the solution anymore. Just, you know, wave him, do what you got to do. It's not like it's costing you a bundle. It's not like you don't have the cap space to, to, to spare. I, uh, I, I can't stand it anymore. Uh, I'm still, you know, and he's, you know, in part because of the Taylor Hall return, like obviously none of us liked it. Um, and maybe he's just, you know, a, a victim of that, you know, in terms of my attitude towards him. But I, uh, I can just, I, I've, I've, I've seen all I've needed to see out of Honors Bjork. And you want know if Yuri Kulik uh, performs well, uh, continues to continues to thrive. Um, I would love to see him get a sniff in the NHL. I would. 
I think he should at least get a handful of games this year, and it probably should be at the expense of a guys like Anders Bjork. Yeah, I, I think I think you know Bjork is kind of that. I hate to say this term, but the, like you were talking about before, that locker room guy. I don't know why, but social media seems to love him. And to be fair, he's always featured on these Sabers things uh, on the actual like Twitter account and Instagram account and stuff like that. So uh, I do think it is honest. more of like that, you know, that that locker room guy. But I completely agree with you. I, I don't think he makes our fourth line. I actually prefer to have. Riley Shan play in his place and, you know, give these guys a chance. Give me, I don't know, Brett Murray a chance. If you don't want to call up Kulix too early, if you want to give Weisbeck a chance as well, yeah. like I'm, I'm willing to give those guys a chance and just have York just skate around there for 10 minutes and not produce anything at all other than penalties. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, especially after a game like last night, it, it, it's hard to find a place for Bjork that isn't warming the bench. But also, I mean, you know, it's not like the Sabres are so pressed for cap space that he can't just, be a lingering healthy scratch for the foreseeable. But I mean, eventually I'm guessing he's just like him as a player, as an individual is just going to go, I am a hockey player. I want to play hockey. And if he realizes that there's no means to do that in Buffalo, he might, you know, ask to be put on waivers just so he can get called down and play with the Amherst. Like, I mean, again, I can't speak from experience as I'm just a guy who talks about hockey rather than play the damn game. But if that were the thing I love to do more than anything in the world, I, you know, I would take the demotion to go play, you know, second, third line minutes in the AHL rather than just sit around for six months and collect a million, you know, 1.6 and, you know, fuck off. But that's just me. Uh, but yeah. Um, and I think ultimately the Hinnestros signing was just in case kids like Paterka or Quinn just had a really hard time getting their feet wet or, you know, if Akposos just needs a night off. Because I mean, he was uh, he was kind of in and out for the majority. Like he wasn't really in and involved all that much in preseason. Suddenly, he had like a little nagging something, nothing like serious, but like a nagging something to the point. It's like it's not worth risking it. So you know, having that little like Swiss Army knife of uh, Vinny Anastrosa in your back pocket, you can pull out when you need it. I I don't hate having it. Again, we still have twenty million dollars of space on our cap right now. Uh, you know, you'd rather have it and not need it than need it and not. So I'm, you know, well, while it's not necessary on, you know, night one, you know, maybe by night 50. Yeah. It, it'll be nice to have a Vinny Hinnestrosa in there on the fourth line, creating some energy with Asplund and Gergensen's. I'm not, I'm not opposed to that. Yeah. I, uh, and I just, Asplund is, I mean, he's a guy for me. I think he's a great five on five. Um, you know, I, 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 I can live without him, but you know, when he's performing to the best of his ability, um, he is a good shutdown five on five guy. And you know, he's not gonna, he's not gonna score you 15 goals a season. He's just not that that guy. He's going to play well. He's going to take care of, take care of business in his own end. But, uh, you know, I don't hate that Erasmus Asplund is on, on the roster, but if, you know, tomorrow, they they did away with him to bring up some somebody else from in the system. I wouldn't be angry about it. But again, it's not my feelings like the Asplin aren't what they are. Obviously, like a guy like Anders Bjork who you know is just useless at this point outside of maybe what we don't see in the locker room. Were you guys a Johan Larson fan by chance? No, I was not. No? I I was not, and there's a reason why he's not in the NHL. I, I, I I'm sorry. Oh, Steve knows. <laughs> so, really? So, eh? 
So uh, let, yeah, let, let, let's not pull so, that thread. No, it's it's pulled. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, let's unravel this sweater, boys. Here, here. Listen, I get it, man. He is a good five-on-five performer. The analytics people love him. But listen, there's a reason why he's played for the amount of teams he's played for, and there's a reason why he's not in the NHL anymore. Okay, if if he was if he was going to be that important to a winning team and a win. A, 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 you know, if he was the last piece to a team like a Colorado, you know, who maybe are looking for some improvement in their own end, then why isn't he on a hockey team this year? Why isn't he on a team? You know, you, 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 he wants to make money, right? He wants to, you, I mean, I assume you want to play in the greatest hockey league in the world. Why is he not on a team? Uh, for me, it's, I, I just have zero, I, I, I never understood it um, as a guy who's played the game his entire life, who's been on both sides of the bench. Um, you know, great. I, I'm glad that his zone rushes are this, or his Corsi four is this, or you know, you know, all all of it. And I, I, I'm a novice when it comes to that. You know what I mean? Like I, I still study it and try to do my best with it. But at the end of the day, um, I did not need Johan Larson on this hockey team. It was always a roster spot that it. He was a guy that I think you could go find really anywhere. Honestly, Rasmus Asplund could be that guy and probably give you more scoring touch. I, I just never understood the love affair in this city with, with, with Johan Larson. And uh, I never will. And I refuse, refuse, refuse to ever, ever, ever be on the lot Johan Larson bandwagon because he was just, he was, he was, he was not part of the solution. He was still part of a losing team, regardless of the reasons why we lost. He was always a part of a losing culture here in Buffalo. And then he went to two other teams and couldn't find a way to stick. So, you know, I'm, I'm just done hearing about Johan Larson. Not, not, no offense, Sage. I just, no, no, I, no. I, I can't fucking stand it. I, I just want to, I, and now I understand because, you know, people sing praises of Asplund. I'm, I'm not a guy who sings his praises, but I'm definitely someone who's confident in putting him on the ice the last four minutes of the game. Exactly. No, knowing he's going to get down there. The puck is going to stay away from our net. That's all I need. And so that's why I was asking, are you a Johan Larson fan? Because he is kind of, Asplund is the better Johan Larson in my Exactly. Opinion. Exactly. He, he, and, and he's going to give you, he gives you more to play with offensively. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, to me, Asplund in my mind just kind of feels like the, like the guy who's going to pick up Gergensen's mantle when Gergensen's either decides, you know, you know, he wants to stay with us or if he wants to move on to greener pastures or whatever he decides to do. But with slightly less offensive capability, but also slightly less physicality. And if, if only one of those two things comes to Asplund's game, I honestly think we've got enough offense with the crew we've got. Like if he could just like put on 10, 15 pounds and throw a few more hits here and there while still being that shut down guy, like I'm perfectly fine with that. But ultimately I, I just, I just see uh Asplund's game and that, in that lens that he's just, you know, he's going to, he's going to be our future Gergensons because I mean, he'll, he'll be up this summer as well as Akposo. Uh The future on both of those dudes are, is obviously, it, you know, like, Obviously, Gergens isn't a dinosaur. He's 28, 29, still definitely has plenty of years of usefulness. But if you have Gergensen's and Asplund, and you also have lots of contracts for lots of very young people who need to get signed in the not-so-distant future, Cousins just this year. I mean, they just did the Samuelson deals, so that's, you know, that's etched in stone. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the year after that, it's going to be Power and Darlene in the same summer. Like, you know, you do have to. You unfortunately you can't keep everybody. So, as far as I, yeah, I mean that's just kind of how I view Asplund. That Asplund's going to like pick up the torch when Gergensen's finally yeah you know, might be the odd guy out and the shutdown energy line because if it's Asplund in the center, Hinnestros on a wing, Ogposo on the on the right in that fourth line, then it's a little more energy than shutdown, but you still got Asplund who can shut down. Yep. It's not like Ocposo can't and, shut down either. And for, for, for me too, and I, one thing I need this fan base to get away from is pretending that, you know, middle, m- middle of the pack players can never leave your team because A, they probably have their jersey, or B, just thinking that, what they bring to the locker room or their funny videos on Twitter that the team does. Oh, we need that guy. No, you don't need always need that guy. Like there's three untouchables on this hockey team, in my opinion, and their names are Rastus Darlene, Owen Power, and Alex Tuck. Those are my only three untouchables. And Alex Tuck for that exact reason. He bleed. Tell me, find me a guy in the NHL, anyone who would have smiled as much as he did when finding out that he was traded from a cup contending team to the worst team in the NHL. You're not going to find it. You will, you cannot convince me. Patrick Kane isn't smiling that much. No fucking way. No way. So to bring that type of attitude to a locker room, not to mention he does have high-end skill. He was a first-round pick. So for me, now he's getting the opportunity with a, with a coach like Don Granato, who we saw, you know, again, Alex Tuck in a full season last year probably is a 20-25 to 25 goal scorer. You know what I mean? Like, he does probably have a career season under Don Granato. You saw what Don Granato did for Dalian's game. You saw what Don Granato uh, did for Tage. I'm sorry, Tage Thompson also probably an untouchable. Not 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 just because of the skill, but the contract as well. Um, I think that contract is going to be a steal in a couple of years. Um, but those are my untouchables. Uh, other than that, like, there is nobody on this team that is untouchable to me. Um, because this, at the end of the day, hockey is a business, and business is winning to winning a Stanley cup. And if trading this guy for this guy gets me, you know, I, I think punch Imlek said it best when I, I, I read, it. I forgot what the book was called, but I read it right up on him. He was, he used to talk about it. It's like, he was willing to trade whoever it took, even if it made him three overall, that trade made him three points better in the standings. He was going to do it no matter who they were. And I'm on the same boat. Like it, you know, if it's going to put you, put you in a better position to win, I don't care who's, you know, how much you love their goal song or whose jersey you own or like, you know, you know, who said this in an interview uh, during practice or I don't care. You know, I'm about winning. That's all I care about. And these guys who some fans seem to love, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but they're not untouchable. And I hope Kevin Adams doesn't see it, see it that same way. Here's my thing. I have a couple of thoughts here. When you go back to the Gergensen situation, hot take, in my opinion, if you're sellers, he's going at the deadline. 100%. That's the way I look at 100%. it. Um, I don't know what he gets you. I, I don't. I saw someone tweet the other day, he's going to get you a first rounder. I, I say pump the brakes. I don't yeah. know if a contender's willing to pay that, but um, that that's one thing. But my thing is, you just talked about Tuck, and you know we didn't give him the C, and I, I don't think it was right like necessarily that he needed to get this C this year. It doesn't make sense to me, because he's a guy, just like you said, who the hell gets traded to a team and, and in Buffalo situation where you don't even want to get, you don't want to be involved in that Jack uncle trade, the amount of pressure 
that is yep. under that Jack Eichel trade. You, you just want to stay away from him. And he comes in here, smiles, he like you said. It. He's a guy that is a captain without the seat. And that's yep. what he's going to be in, I think, any team that he goes to, but especially in Buffalo. And so when we look back at this Ocposo thing and you talk about players, you know, you know, don't get don't get married to these players. Any guy can go at any time. Ocposo is getting a C in a contract year where other guys could have possibly taken the C. Where do you see that going forward? What, what happens with Ocposo? What happens with this captaincy in the next two years? Like, what, what are we looking at here? Uh that's that's a, that's a phenomenal question. Um, I got into it uh, on Twitter after the uh, announcement. Now, uh, you know, you saw Alex Tuck um, get the cat. Uh, you know, at the Bills game, starting uh, Bills chant, the the Bills shout chant uh, for the second home game in a row. Just really embraces Buffalo because that's where he's from, and that's where you know he bleeds. He bleeds Bills colors. He bleeds Sabers colors. Like you know, it, for me to have a guy who embraces not just the sweater he wears, but the culture and the fans as much as he does and is going to show it on and off the ice. It's an easy decision for me. Like as a coach, if I saw that in a player, it doesn't matter where you are in the standings or on the stat sheet. For me, you're the guy. Um, and a lot of people seem to think that Rasmus Dahlin is groomed to be the captain. I'm not going to hate it if they make him captain, but you can't convince me that he's going to be a better leader than Alex Tuck because of here, things you hear in the media. Like, oh, you know, Rasmus Dahlin showing this, Rasmus Dahlin showing that. That's great. I'm happy he is. But just because he got an A this year doesn't mean he's automatically getting the C next year. I think that mean I think I think they went with the, in the direction of who are the most tenured players on this team. Let let's let them be the leaders. And just because you, again, you don't have to be a leader. You don't have to have a letter to be a leader. And I think Alex Tuck exemplifies that. And I think anybody but I don't want to say it's the wrong decision, but Anybody but Alex talked, it just seems wrong to me. Give that guy, let that, I will tell you right now, you make him, you, you, not that he wouldn't do it now, but that guy will dive in front of pucks with his fucking face as the captain of this hockey team without hesitation. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I, I, I just, I, I can't see it being anybody else but him. I do have to be honest. I think this was a situation of Alex Tuck hasn't played a full NHL season in a little while here. He just got moved to a new team. I, yep. I think it was more of a pressure to, th- to throw the C on him in the situation that he was in with that Jack Eichel trade. I think this is more of a let's give it to Ocposo because he's done everything right to be a captain. Let's not, you know, let's not burn that bridge per se. There's no b- bridge to even be burned if he got the A. But I, no. I think this was more so of a Alex Tuck is in a situation where he should just focus on a year of being a saber, a full year, not getting injured producing, feeling comfortable with the trade that was made. We're all more than comfortable with that trade at this point in time, but just not throwing too much pressure on him. And I do think once Ocposo is done with his organization, whenever that may be, I don't see him signing more than a two-year contract. I think it would be a bad decision to sign him for more than a two-year contract because he's getting up there in age. I think he's 35, 36 at this point. I do think Tuck is going to be that next guy that takes the A next year if a Gergensen is gone. And I ultimately think he takes the C in a year after that, if not closer than that i agree steve yeah um i mean you know i i think it was pretty clear you know as much as we're talking about winning and winning for winning's sake uh it it seemed very clear that of the people who obviously alex tuck came in and immediately had a you know tremendously positive impact on the entire locker room but like kyle has been there for so many of those young kids like Darlene in particular, like since day one, 
And he's he's been there, like he's been a part of like some of the lowest moments of this team in recent history. And he's, you know, also here, you know, trying to help us dig out of that hole. And I mean, you know, just just the attendance yesterday was testament enough that like somebody quoted that the home opener a year ago when where you and I went doing uh against Montreal, there was like not oh, yeah. even ten thousand people. And last night it was like nearly sixteen. So like what's that, a couple thousand shy of selling out in a year's time. And like I'm not saying that that's all Kyle is doing, but like, you know, he's been a part of, you know, some truly abysmal moments for this day. I mean, obviously the Eichel trade was a complete debacle, but he was here for Ryan O'Reilly too. He was here for all of that. He was here trying to make Rasmus wrist alignment into, you know, like he was here for all of this. Like, you know, Eric Stahl's cup of coffee, Vladimir Saboka taking up space in our middle six, like so much fucking ineptitude and mediocrity. And like, he's been here all along. Like, obviously, like, I, I feel like his lowest point was, you know, during the Kruger era when he had that whole, well, it is what it is. We were so, we were so fucking mad at him for that. It's like, no, it not, it isn't just is what it is. It's that that like, quote drove me nuts. Yeah. It's, it's like, this is your legacy, man. This is like what you've been working towards your whole life. And you're just going to tell me it is what it is. No. Like if you want to fucking win games, put in the work. And I, I don't know what happened, but like, he clearly just had like from that moment had like a mentality shift where it's like, if this team's going to be terrible, it's not going to be because of me and me alone. I am going to put yeah. it my fucking work. And like you saw it in the following year, like my biggest criticism before that, like before last year was that he was always a, like a pace or two behind every single play. He was never a part of it. And last year he was leading the rush. He was in there before everybody. And that's what goals. happened. I, you know, like he clearly trained, he clearly just put in the work for himself. He got, he got healthy. That's what yeah, I mean. he got healthy. He, he lost. Did, did you guys hear that podcast? I don't know. I, I don't want to speak out of term, but did you guys hear that that uh, interview that he did with Spit and Chicklets and how he oh, talked yeah. about his brain injury and stuff like that? Yeah. One of the things he said, he said, "I just, I just kept thinking, I have to fix Buffalo. I have to fix the Sabers." Like to me, like hearing that, I you just talk about a mentality shift. I think that speaks volumes, right? The guy, the, the guy's thinking during his time of like just where everything's just completely aft up for him in the head. He's thinking, I got to fix Buffalo. And it really showed the year after that where he just he just took a step. I I don't know where to. He scored twenty goals last year. Who had Kyle Postal putting up forty points last year? I maybe had him putting up twenty points in total, which is just crazy. Yeah, and uh, I I just like like Steve brought that up. That quote in itself really really drove me up a fucking wall. Yeah. It was just like it, it's like when he, it's not it is what it is, man. Like. We as fans don't want to hear that as a response. And you know what? I'm willing to give him, obviously give him the benefit of the doubt now, seeing seeing the guy that we're seeing now and the leader that we're seeing now. I'm definitely willing to give him the benefit of the doubt in that maybe that was just pent-up frustration in regards to having Ralph Kruger as a coach, really limiting you know all the strengths that that roster had, especially with guys like Darlene. Um Frustration come out and you can say things that you don't mean. But that quote in itself, it is what it is at the end of a loss. It was just, it really did drive me up a fucking wall. But to see what he's become since then, since you've finally, since Lindy Ruff have a real legitimate head coach. And here's the thing. I, uh, I, I I remember when Ralph was fired and Dave Starman, I've, I've brought this up in the podcast before Dave Starman in front of the program, uh, big with a uh, college in the college hockey ranks. Um, 
knows a lot of people and along with the USA hockey, he sent me a message and said, listen, your guys are going to love Don Granado as a head coach. He goes, he is the greatest hockey mind I know. And trust me, I know a lot of them. And that statement in it itself is true. It's been true. Like find me evidence that that's not true in terms of just seeing the game, the way he does development. And there's, 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 you know, um, uh, almost like Ted talks that he's done. Uh, you can find him on YouTube for USA hockey, where he's talked about the game in length for two hours with people in attendance and just talks about development and the direct, the direction that the game is going in. And the guy, the guy is really a hockey genius. I, I have to agree with Dave. And um, I, I personally, if, in terms of the turnaround of this team, if I'm, if I'm pointing the finger at anybody, it's him. It's Don Granado. He is the reason why this team is going to turn the ship around and be, be the, he's, he's the biggest like piece to the solution. When's the last time you've had a coach get an extension? It's. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I, I, I it's funny. I, I don't know who was I was it. Bot, was it Botterill with Tim Murray? No, Bot Botterill and Tim Murray. Those two GMs right there. But like, I, I think did Botterill sign an extension? I think Tim Murray did. I'm not sure if Botterill did. Tim Murray definitely signed an extension because the Sabers were paying him for a little while after that. I think yeah. he got fired in his first year of the, that extension. Yep, it was and that. Was, and honestly, it was surprising when they fired Tim Murray. Oh, yeah, I was a little shocked to be honest. Yeah, yeah, it, but, he was fired the same day. Him and Botterill were both fired on the same day. Correct? It was a package thing. Or was no? It, but, are you talking? Talk, oh, sorry. Are you talking about? Uh, you're, you're saying Botterill. You're talking about um, Bilesma. Bilesma. That's what disco? I'm thinking of. Yes. Yeah. Disco yeah, Dan? yeah. I'm almost positive okay, they yeah, were. Yeah. yeah. They were. Okay, they I'm were sorry. Yeah. Why? Yeah, Botterill. I'm sorry. I don't know why I thought you're giving Bottle. me so much PTSD. It's Biles, like, I, I saw, yeah, Biles. I meant Bilesma. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Tim Murray and Biles were both fired on the same day. Yes. Yeah, but I, I was. I, I don't know bees. who was talking about this yesterday. I I, I want to say it was TSN. They were confused as to why Don Granado got an extension, and they were saying that why wouldn't you add that added pressure onto this team. The team performed very well under pressure. Well, I don't, I feel like it was someone on TSN. I don't know who I heard from. Anyways, they were just discussing that at the end of the year, this team started to perform very well. Granado got a hold of his team. Why wouldn't you have him play out the rest of this contract this year, have him be under that pressure and hopefully lead this team to a playoff? Why sign him? And it, I think Buffalo has just been dying for that. Just that, uh, what's the word? Commitment. And we finally have a coach that's willing to commit and willing and actually doing a hell of a job doing it. So why wouldn't you just sign this guy? Like it's like you said, he's the reason for the turnaround and he's going to be the reason why these players like Thompson, Darlene are finally growing into NHL superstars, not just like average Joe players. These guys are looking, I have Darlene at around 70 points this year. It might sound crazy. I know it's, it's a pretty big jump, but I mean, he's on pace. <laughs> like I, I, I think he's going to do at least 70 points here. I'm looking at Thompson around there too. Maybe not 70, maybe around, you know, I think he put up what 68 last year or something like that. Something close to there. So I, I really do see these guys turning around and it's all because of Don Grano, like you said. Yeah. I think it ultimately uh, comes down to, it's not even that we were looking for somebody who's willing to commit. I think, I think a lot of it is also just like, I, I think we're finally at a point where like we can actually like you know feel safe having some sense of stability. Yeah. Like, you know, 
because this is the first, like last like going into the season. This is like the first season where we're not just relying on like two to three, maybe four guys to be truly exceptional while the rest of them show up. You know, we we've got like a com- a pretty much, and I say pretty much because there are definitely some holes here and there, and you know, yeah, we can get. To, I'm sure we'll get to that many many times throughout the course of the season, but like. This is the first time in so long that, you know, there's a complete unit of people who know what their role is, who are doing everything they can to excel in their role, to, you know, supersede anything they've done before. And, you know, it seems like there's a unified effort that not only do they want to, you know, develop and grow as individuals, but they also want to develop and grow as a team. Like, this is one of the first times in forever where, like, half the roster isn't radically different than it was the year before. There's just a couple of additions and, you know, people that you didn't want to see again anyway, going away, you know, like, mm-hmm. I, you know, respectfully, I didn't need to see another year of Will Butcher. I didn't need more Robert Hag in my life. Um, you know, again, no. they, they've served their role and, you know, more power to you. A couple clicks for sticking around. You will always be a part of Sabres history is one of the greatest sure. trades ever. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You'll always be a part of that. Oh yeah, the, yeah. Robert Hag specifically, he'll he'll always be a part of the uh, the Kevin Adams master fleecing of the Philadelphia Flyers. Yes. Which, by the way, let's remember, still has not paid its full dividends because we still have mm-hmm. that pick coming. It's this summer, I believe, right? I believe so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Positive, yeah. 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 So that's not even. We're not even done with that. <laughs> I, it, it is wild that I I still look back at that trade and it's it's actually wild. One, one, one shout out I do want to give here real quick. Um, a guy who constantly supports the show um, had had a you know went to the game last night and also himself had a uh, a very big night uh, in his own personal life. Uh, give a shout out here to uh, Chris Durick. Couple clicks for him. Got himself engaged uh, last night, hey. and I'm gonna pull up the video right here for everybody to see. Uh, you know, he sent it to us. Uh, congrats to Chris right here. Getting on one knee at the French connections. So congrats, buddy. Hell yeah, bud. Absolutely. Especially, especially on a night in hockey where, you know, engagements didn't go quite as planned. (laughs) Uh, It could have gone in one of two ways. And I saw the the other way. yeah, you, you couldn't you, you could have you could have given me a hundred different scenarios to guess at and I would have never guessed it would have ended that way. Little he didn't just get left, and I, I don't mean to laugh at this guy's pain, but he had no shirt on when he got left. And the best part is he just sits down and he just grabs his beer and he's just I mean it is what it is, just tries to drink you. What else are you supposed to do at that point? I know you're at an Islanders Islanders game too. Like talk about just a shitty night. You know? Yeah. I did see a few tweets and like the original, what was it? Uh, Dan Bolson, I think was just like, I was just at this game and I swear to God, I saw and he like spells out the story in text form. And then somebody shares the video. And like, there were a couple of dissenters trying to tell us that like the moon landing was staged. It was fixed that like, they saw some preseason footage of these same two people like on the kiss cam or some shit. So I, you know, I don't, I, I, I'm not a guy who likes to ruin magic tricks, but this might have been, this might have been a fix. But if it was, either way, fucking hilarious. Because how often do you actually see that happen in real life? For like somebody plans this like 
big elaborate pretty elaborate yeah. at proposal at like a live sporting event and somebody's just like dude nah right yeah like I, uh... we're, we're not there yet man I think I'm going to stay with my sister for a while. I got some shit to think about. (laughs) (laughs) Like that happens in movies and sitcoms, but not on planet earth. Because most of us do these in private events. So we don't get like embarrassed in front of 70,000 people or some shit. I know. Still, I, uh... I, 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 I need somebody to like myth bust that shit for me to find out whether or not that was legitimately real. Like that kid, that dude needs to go on TNT and like, confirm or deny it's like yeah we need, yeah, we need confirmation or, if that uh, was staged or not or he like shows up like half drunk and he's like fucking devastated bro. speaking of it though should yeah, we be fine. done with i mean should we just be done with you know live event marriage proposals i mean I, I i don't know personally i don't think i would ever put my significant other in that situation you know in front of fucking thousands of people <laughs> like you know and uh, I, I mean, if I'm going to get to that point, I'm going to make sure that I'm confident enough that she'll say yes. But I mean, that's always a topic for debate uh, on social media is should we be just done with live marriage proposals? Because, it, I mean, you, you don't ever see that stuff happen live where she says no. But not, like, the way that happened, like, that is outstanding. Not outstanding, good, you know, ha happy, but like, holy shit, kind of outstanding. Yeah, it was subtle enough that I do kind of think it was a real proposal and that it wasn't staged. But although, you know, but then again, I also wasn't at any Islanders preseason games, so maybe they know something I don't. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, ultimately, I think, at least for, I, I, I do think generally that, you know, it's a private moment between you and the person you're choosing to spend the rest of your life with. Maybe don't make it a whole like social need like something that's going to be consumed on social like that that guy's a meme yeah now a meme yeah like yeah like you know obviously if like some of your friends want to be there like close friends that know you both sure like a like something like that like i don't know and then like somebody just happens to be filming at the camp i don't know whatever but like to do it at like a live sporting event or i don't even know like like if like some some actors proposed to some act like like two actors got engaged at the fucking Grammys. It's just like, I don't know. It just yeah, it's odd. It, to me, it would just kind of like take some of the authenticity out of it. It's like, how much of this is actually like, you want to marry this person? How much of it is like, do you want to like turn your love into content? I don't know. Some just feels like kind of like weird about that. Well, assuming that, assuming that is real. I'm just thinking that guy can't go to an Isles game ever again. <laughs> there, there goes that. That's, that's PTSD to like the max right there. Counterpoint, he's gonna go to Islanders games and he's gonna meet his future wife. Yeah, well, yeah, you know what? I mean, at that point, standing in line for his fourth beer of the night, and (laughs) some some chick's gonna recognize him. Go, weren't you that guy who tried to propose to his girl on opening night? Yeah, she really (laughs) turned you down, huh? Yeah, yeah, now he's forever, he's forever part of some gif or some meme, some punchline. I feel for the if that was real, I feel for him, but. I mean, you also put yourself in that situation, bud. I mean, there had to have been signs that – or maybe maybe she just didn't want to be – maybe she was so angry that he put her in that situation. Maybe they do end up getting married, but she just did not appreciate being put in that situation. But in the same time, like, I don't know, man. I would, I would want her to lie to me in that situation. Lie to me. Please 
fucking lie to me, say yes, and then dump me in the car in the parking yeah, right, ring. Right, right, with me. <laughs> like, like, just lie to me. Please just lie to me. I'll never condone lying, but in this situation, lie to me, please. Let me save face. No, you know, I actually already thought about how you could use that meme format. Uh, uh, the, uh, the dude proposing could be uh, the Calgary Flames, and then the girl walking away could be Matthew Kachuk. Right. Just like, oh my God. You no. Know, there, there's a Leafs, oh. there's a Leafs meme in there somewhere, right? There's a Leafs meme in there somewhere. Oh yeah, the Toronto Maple the second round, walking away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Rock that's was funny. at the Leafs game last night. Did you guys see that? Yeah, I deserve yeah. five percent if you put make that tweet and get monetized. Just throwing <laughs> that out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the only thing the Leafs are cooking is a first round exit. So. <laughs> yeah, for real. You know, let's be real. That's ridiculous Spicy to think people. anything else. So, uh, yeah, so I'm completely on board with just doing away with that stuff. Like for me personally, if I'm going to, uh, if I'm going to, um, if I'm going to propose my sitting for the other and I want to make it special, I'll go to like a, some type of landmark or some, some significant area that has significance to us. Like, you know, Chris, he did it out in front of the arena. He could have did that in the arena. Sure. But he decided to do it out in front of the arena. Maybe that's where they met. I don't know. But, like, I like that style in Alumni Plaza, sure. You're not surrounded by thousands and thousands of people. So if by chance you do get turned down and maybe 10 people saw, not, like, 15,000, but plus whoever has their phones out. But um, for me, I uh, I could do away with it. Make, save that some for a special location, for, you know, for the both of you. Maybe I, I don't know. I just I, – I, I'm good. I'm done with it. Yeah. A little weird, weird taste in my mouth. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, next, next subject. Um, you know, to go from low to low to great. Uh, Craig Anderson. You know, guy ages like fine wine. Fine wine. Win number three hundred and nine. Thirty-five saves and a couple beauties out there. Some on a couple breakaways. Uh, that diving poke check, two pad jammer save. I love that. Give me, uh, give me, you know, flashbacks of the Dominator doing that exact same thing, almost the exact same thing, the Yamir Yager, back in the Goathead days. Um, <laughs> I loved it. Uh, I loved it. So, Craig Anderson, how much of the load is he going to be expected to bear this season? And if we get the same Craig Anderson this year that we got last year, um. Could this team be on the outside looking in come the trade deadline where maybe they are buyers instead of sellers? It's it. I'll let you go out, Steve. Um, I mean, well, one, it really depends on how well Eric Comrie does or doesn't perform because, you know, as well as Craig Anderson is playing, he is also a man who is 41 years old, and it's incredibly likely that this will be his last year in the NHL. I mean, yeah. he's made it, I mean, he's made it clear that, you know, even this season was a debate, but it took, you know, a lot of conversations with his wife, you know, trying to see where their family's at to finally make the decision. Yes. I would like to come back for, you know, seems like it, it everything about it seems like it's a one last ride kind of vibe, but like, you know, his time here at, you know, as short as it was last year, you know, he, he had a great time, you know, and clearly he, got, you know, very well connected with all the guys in the locker room. You know, everyone seems to like him. He seems to like everybody, you know. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm glad that he's sticking around for another year. But, yeah, the main part of the equation is seeing how well Eric can play because 
this is the first time that he's not just living in Hellebuck shadow. This is the first time that he can just have a crease. So, you know, while it's good to know that Craig can do the job if needed, I think at the, you know, we're going to see if it's a, we're going to see where Eric Conner's, and it sounds like they're kind of going to kind of, kind of go back, like back and forth for the first couple of weeks to see like where we're really at. And Eric has actually made a point to say that he wants those road games. He wants those challenging games yep. where you know that you're not dressing this as good of a crew as the guys on the other end of the ice where you already know the odds are stacked against you. Like that's where he feels he thrives. Um, so, I mean, it sounds like he's probably getting the start on Saturday while we're still on home ice, but it sounds like he could be getting a lot of those starts against teams like the Oilers, the Flames. I mean, the Kraken isn't quite that much of a challenge, but definitely the Oilers and the Flames to with teams with uh, some of the best forwards in the entire league. Um, so, yeah, ultimately, the answer to that question to me definitely is more contingent on Eric Comrie's abilities rather than Craig Anderson's capacity to you know, play the game because clearly he can, he's put miles on that car, but he's still got, he's still got room. He's, he's still got miles left to go. I think, I think he could, you know, if we really needed him to, I think we could get 30 plus starts out of him if needed. But again, I don't think it's going to be needed. I think Eric Conry is going to be up to the task. I'm a little concerned to be completely honest with you. Just, just because I heard at practice today, there was an e-bug just, he he's just you know kind of load management at this point in his career and you know it's kind of concerning when you know you throw a guy out there yeah 35 34 save night i guess 35 shots faced you know it, it's fine it's fine because we're at the beginning of the season and he can play these games like you're saying you know, hopefully you can get him to that 30 plus mark who knows if it's needed i, I think once looking at this beginning of the season you kind of thought okay eric Comrie, he was just kind of that random goalie when, when talking about goalies there was a lot of names out there Sabres didn't pick up on any of the big ones because they were never really in on any of the big ones. But it, it came down to let's just pick up someone that has that on the top potential that we don't really know much about but shows that he could probably do something, and that was Eric Comrie brought him in. And I genuinely thought, I thought, you know, maybe maybe Anderson kind of looks at this after training camp and just says, you know, wash my hands of it. It was great. It was, you know, it was fun. Maybe we terminate the contract. But then he, he plays well in preseason shows up like that last night and now you hear there's an e-bug involved in practice how how long can you go with that just playing games i'm not saying he's not practicing at all but how long can you go with him you know maybe practicing three to four times a week and and maybe starting only that one or two games you know here and there i i personally think that if if anything's going to happen this season and the only reason why upl will be called up it's not going to be because of the play of Comrie. Hopefully he doesn't get an injured knock on wood. I think it's going to be Anderson's load management. I don't know if he can survive 30-plus games, I hope, but I, I just don't know if he can do that anymore at this, this point in his career. I had him around 35 to 40 total games this season. Yeah. And that and, and you got to remember, too, if he does perform this well, like all season, you know, and he does put it in a position, is he your starter going into a playoff push? Because that's when you really need him to be – you know, be the guy in those back-to-backs and, you know, really put his body, test his body and what, how much, how much stamina and how much he really truly does have left. Because again, I say age like fine wine, but again, you know, we may feel, we may feel young, but our bodies sometimes might beg to differ. And as a goaltender, our hips go through a lot. Our knees go through a lot and, you know, up and down, up and down. Granted, he plays a little more of a hybrid stand-up style. 
but I, uh, I would like to think that, um, if we are in a situation where we're kind of like that old bills graphic during the drought years, uh, where you always seen the bills in the hunt, if we're in the hunt and we really want to make a push to finally break the playoff drought, I, I would like to think that we're Eric Comrie is capable of enough to either a be a comparable one B and be a better than 500 goaltender like he was in Winnipeg and B be able to give Craig Anderson the amount of rest he is truly going to need in order to be the guy heading into a playoff push. Or if all the stars line, they do win a wild card spot as, as a playoff team. Now you're looking at a guy who's going to have to get, you know, be the guy in the playoffs because I'm not, I'm not going to be, I don't want to be in a situation where you got to go every other game in, a, in the playoffs because as a goaltender, you don't want to be put in that position. Yeah. Um, I mean, just looking at these first few matchups, again, assuming that Comrie gets the nod on Saturday, it would probably make the most sense that on that road trip, he probably also takes the starts against the Oilers and the Flames. And then realistically, you're probably not deploying Craig again until the following Saturday against the Canucks, where, you know, they definitely have some firing power, but, you know, they're not quite as, like, offensively stacked as a team like the Oilers or the Flames or even the Cats. So um, are you are you are you going into this West Coast trip with Eric Comrie as your starter? I think you have to. I think you have to figure out what you've got and then assess from there. I mean, you've got the guy. Wouldn't you wouldn't you have done that in the home opener though? I mean, you could have, but I think it was more so that we were playing the Ottawa Senators and that was like Anderson's former team for so long. I think it was more of a statement to that regard. He, he's also played his former team enough times in his career, though, where also, I mean, is also he's been a goalie for the Sabres longer than Comrie, so maybe it's just out of you know out of respect. It's like let's put Craig Anderson in for the first night. I mean, it, actually, yeah, it's not like it's not like we're keeping him on the. Sh- it's not like we're going to keep Comrie on the shelf and only you know serve him at fancy dinners like. We, like he's 27. If anyone's got to get you know big miles put on him, it's the kid who's in the prime of his physical. You know, he's at his physical peak or as close to it as he's ever going to get at this point. You know, not not the 41 year old guy. So yeah, I honestly think that like the next three games should be Comrie because he's made it clear that he wants those challenges, he wants those hard battles, and he wants to prove that he can do the job and. I mean, whether it's whether it's Craig or Eric, like those three games are hard. Those are very strong offensive teams. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who's backlighting. Like it's a tough. It's a tough sell for most goalies in the league to win that game, and that's why you know the Flames, the Oilers, and the Panthers win so many fucking games because they're just that good. It's mm-hmm. very hard to stop. I don't think Comrie had a great preseason and I know people talk about it being, Oh, he didn't have the best defense in front of him and stuff like that. But I mean, did the Sabres really play anyone difficult other than that Penguins lineup? Like realistically and in preseason, did, did Comrie start a game where they, he was in front of a lineup where like, Ooh, you know, we look a bit outweighed here. Like, you know, it doesn't look really that fair. I, I feel like the Sabres, for the most part, took a lot of opponents, like second line, not second line, but second string, third string players on most nights, and he didn't have a strong preseason. So I, I think this was actually a matter of Anderson looks better than Comrie. We're starting our home, our, our, our season uh, at home. We know this guy can get us the win. 
He's been able to beat Ottawa before in the past. Let's throw him in net. Okay, great. I think we're going to see Comrie tomorrow. And I think that's actually where the assessment's going to come in. I can actually see Anderson starting one of those Western games like we've talked about. And I definitely I don't know. could. I, I feel like I'm more confident with Anderson in net against uh, the Oilers than I am with Comrie at this point right now, if I'm being honest. I know we don't have much to judge Comrie off of. And, um, you know, Steve, like like you said, like, you got to trust that that Comrie's at that age in his life where he can, you know, hold the load because, I mean, Anderson's pretty damn old, right? But I, I actually think Anderson might outplay him to begin the season. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's fair, but, I mean, we got to get to a point where we got to test the guy. And, you know, he, he sounds like the guy who wants trial by fire. So if that's what he wants, who better to serve it to him than the Calgary Flames? That's fair. That's yeah, a- I uh, for 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 me with Comrie, I, I don't really. I take the preseason with a grain of salt. I really do because, yeah. like we said, you know, Paterka did not look good in the preseason, but in his NHL debut, he looked like he was shot out of a cannon. But he was a part of the best line on the ice. Um, he was everywhere. Yeah, he was. He literally was everywhere, man. Like he did everything right. Um, four check, back check, paycheck. Right? I forget who said that, but uh, paycheck, paycheck, four check, back check, paycheck. Uh, but, uh, he, uh, yeah, he did everything right. And, um, for me, I take the preseason with a grain of salt for re- for the, that exact reason. I, uh, I don't take stock in how Comrie performed in the preseason. Um, maybe he does get his first opportunity tomorrow against the, the Panthers. They haven't announced it yet. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if they did go back to Anderson. It wouldn't. You know, especially with a, with an opponent like the Panthers, who did this add Matthew Kachuk to their lineup, and is a very dangerous hockey team offensively. Uh, they just are. So maybe they do go the guy with the hot hand who just made thirty five saves in the home opener against a team against Ottawa, who I think is going to be a very good team this year. I think Ottawa's going to surprise a lot of people. You just don't add guys like Debrincat and Giroux and just not improve. And they should have better goaltending uh, across down the line as well, because in my opinion, doesn't it's not that hard to get much better than Matt Murray. Um, so for me, um, it wouldn't surprise me if they went back to Anderson, but I'm also not surprised or angry if they do give a Comrie because we do have to see what we have in him. But I've always kind of been it's Anderson's net to lose, but I don't think it's going to be a very ideal starting goalie situation where. Anderson starting three of every four games. Maybe it's maybe, maybe if it's, you know, maybe three in every five, you know what I mean? Something like that. Uh, not an exactly a 50, 50 split, but damn near close to it. You know, uh, Don has been saying that uh, after these first couple of games, he's going to make a deliberate point to not tell anybody who the starting goalie is because he doesn't want to give the opponent any opportunity to uh, prepare for who they might be shooting against. So uh, I feel like after these next two games, if he's true to his word, he's going to be, hopefully the media respect that and don't try to, it's like, you know, they haven't announced who's goaltending tonight, but it looks like so-and-so has got the uh, starting net at practice. Like, no, shut up. Let him, let him have a strategy. If this is like his, if this is his like galaxy brain thinking so far, so good. I, I, I like Donnie's mind behind it. So if he doesn't want anybody to know, don't spoil the surprise. So actually, yeah. I think that might be more so of a Anderson. Are you good to go tonight? Because Anderson seems like he's calling the shots of his games, like on when he should practice, when he feels right. 
I think that's also like, yeah, I'm, I'm sure Don Granato is also thinking to himself, yeah, it's probably good that our opponents don't know who's playing. But I also think it's more so of a point of like, hey, I don't want to overcommit and say, Anderson, you're ready to go. And then he tells me two minutes before the game, not two minutes before the game, but, you know, like two hours before the game, hey, I'm not feeling up to it tonight. Maybe just give Comrie a start. I'll start the next one. You know what I mean? Like, I think uh, I think Anderson's kind of earned that respect to, to call his shots. And he's, he's been calling his shots for, you know, the last little bit of his career. So I, I think that's also plays a part in it. I tend to agree, Sage. I definitely tend to agree. Yeah, kind of hard to tell the literal oldest player in the league uh, how to play this game. Like, no, and he's still, like I said, technically speaking, from his draft class. Yeah, exactly. He is. That's a, that was another stat that was revealed this week, which is kind of mind blowing. When you look at some of the names that are part of that draft class, uh, I uh, you know before we think wrap things up here, um, obviously predictions going into tomorrow, uh, matinee game at one o'clock. Um, I, you know, Panthers, again, a very dangerous hockey team. Um, and I was, I was willing to trade the world for a guy like Matthew Kachuk because I think of Matthew Kachuk and I think of like, I don't want to say a poor man's Lindros, but he plays that same kind of style. He has the high end skill. He has the size, he has the tenacity and the physicality and an unreal skating ability. Um, but now that Florida just added that piece. And I, I don't care what anyone says for me, Florida won that trade hands down. They won that trade. They got that guy locked up. You can see and steer about all you want, man, but guys like him are absolute unicorns. They are. I agree with you. I do. I, I just, I think, you know what, what Huberto brings in terms of points and, and Chuck brings in points. I mean, you're going to get somewhat similar value there. I think you're right in terms of, Chuck being a, a unicorn, like even his brother, like I, I, I love the way he plays as well. I love it. I think, I think the missing piece there is Uyghur. and I don't know why he he is, but he doesn't seem like he'd be that guy, right? But I actually don't see Florida finishing as high as they did last year. I, I'm, I'm not as concerned about the Florida Panthers after that trade. And I, I, is it because they're missing two top end players? I, I, I don't consider Uyghur like a top top end player, but I think Huberto is. I think we can all agree on that. And I, I think, you know, when you're looking at points on the board, they just swapped out less points to get to Chuck. I think he fills an area there, but I also think he he leaves a hole when making that trade. Um, For me, it's not even just about next season. It's everything after that. You lock up a guy long-term that's very early in his career and it hasn't even – like he has a glass ceiling in my opinion. He really does. Yeah. Um, he is more than capable of being a hundred, hundred plus point player every single season and adding that guy to your lineup for the next eight years on top of the youth you already have and the leadership group you already have, you just locked up Spencer Knight for this, you know, for the foreseeable future for like, like three or four yep. years. So like they're doing everything right. And you, 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 a guy like Huberto, who's 31, I believe 30, 31 years old. I want to say, I'm not sure if he's that old. He's, he's much older than he's definitely older than uh Kachuk. Um, Huberto a guy who's probably, okay. So he's almost 30. So he's, you know, he's maybe at his prime right now where you have Kachuk who hasn't even touched his prime yet. And he's just going to keep getting better. So that's where I look at that trade. And I say, absolutely. Florida wins because you could find another Mackenzie Weger as good of a play- defenseman. He was, especially when he played with, uh, Ekblad. Um, you can find another guy, uh, in the draft to, 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 to fill that spot. You're not going to find a Matthew Kachuk in every single draft. You're just not. 
No, that's, that's a fair point. I, I, I'm just saying when I talk about this year, looking at Florida, I do think they left that hole there. It, it, what you said is perfect in the long term. Of, of course, that that trade just makes sense. And I, I mean, if 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 we were to get an, a trade like that, an offer like that, I, I think it'd be stupid not to take it, especially in the situation that Buffalo's in, where they're just going for the young guys and just you know t- taking on those those nice contracts for the future. And I know we didn't talk about Samuelson's contract, but another another you know. Just sign them young, lock up the team, and then you can kind of work with what you got afterwards. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. I, I just think for this year, Florida takes maybe takes a little bit of a dip, but in the foreseeable future, yeah, they're they're going to be a great team for sure. Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, I think you'll be uh, hard pressed to say that Florida's going to nosedive as a result of the lack of Mackenzie Weaker. But that, but that is also to say that you know the disparity between Aaron Ekblad and the rest of the active decor is pretty vast. I mean, Brandon Montour, you know, we know what he is. He's, you know, quick, quick feet, quick hands, very rarely finishes. Uh, not the most offensive. Uh, Gustav Forsling, Radko Gudis, Josh Mahura and Mark Stahl. So yeah, uh, this Josh Mahura guy it looks like it was a waivers claim, but uh, with the, with the exception of Ekblad and Forsling at twenty six, everybody is you know Montour's pushing thirty, Radko's a respectable thirty two, and then Mark Stahl is Mark Stahl, uh, and that and I mean I guess if you can still get like reliable goaltending from uh you know the Bobcat, which has always been a question, you know sometimes he's hot, sometimes he's cold, uh, you never really know for sure. And how much responsibility do they give Spencer Knight this year, who I believe has played like under 50 games total? Uh, you know, I guess that I guess that definitely uh, – it's kind of how I felt about Ottawa, to be honest. Like, yes, they have a tremendous, godly amount of firing power on the offensive side of things. But with the, at least with Ottawa, with the exception of Shabbat and their recently acquired Sanderson, there's not a lot to write home about on that blue line. And then – of course, the goaltending is uh, Forsberg and Talbot, who is currently injured, so he's a non-factor. Yeah, Talbot, I think, is still an improvement from Matt Murray last year. Oh yeah, uh, no, for sure. But without it, a doubt, once he gets injured, healthy, an injured Talbot is you know, you know, worse yeah. than a Matt Murray who can actually put his body in front of that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, quick update: I think Michigan is a, up five to nothing right now. Yeah, that sounds about uh, right. <laughs> I believe, yeah. Uh, actually, nope. Sorry, seven to one. They did score finally, seven to one. Last time I looked, about five minutes ago, it was five nothing. Now it is seven to one. The Wolverines. So, picking up right where they left off with Eric Portillo and that. Uh, oh yeah. You know, hopeful, hopeful future saber. We'll see. Um, but another thing I definitely want to discuss too. Well, before before we do, uh, quick bold predictions on tomorrow. Where do we see? Uh, the say do we see the Sabres going two and zero? Do we see you know a close game? Does it get out of hand? Um, again, Matthew Kachuk for me, he that guy can create a lot of problems, especially in front of the net. Um, and maybe a guy like Labushkin is a guy maybe we see stand out tomorrow. Uh, you know, I'm not saying you match up Labu- line match with Labushkin with Matthew Kachuk, but if they are on the ice together and Matthew tries to take liberties in front of that, that's where you would see a guy like Labushkin really, really, you know, show you why the Sabres went out and got him. Yeah, no, I think Labushkin showed us why we went out and got him just last night. I he mean, had a good game. 
I thought yeah, he had a very good game. I mean, you know, after watching Ristolina for so long, I didn't realize that you could both be a big dude that throws hits, but also like be well defensively sound. Yeah. I didn't realize that those were two things that could actually go hand in hand. I thought it was just, I am going to throw a ridiculous hit, but also I'm going to completely remove myself from the, anything remotely happening in this play and be on just on the other planet uh, while the rest of the team is just struggling in the in the defensive zone without me. Uh, but I threw that big hit on a guy who hasn't had the puck for 10 seconds. So great. Yep. But yeah, no, Labushkin looked wonderful last night. And uh, I could definitely see uh, Kachuk getting a little chippy with his uh, smaller line mate Bryson. And maybe <laughs> maybe Labushkin has to, has to uh, be a bash brother for a minute. Uh, I right. don't know how much of a fighter he is, but... Yeah. The guy can hit, man. The guy can hit, especially the guy in the can open ice. Hit. And he's not afraid to defend his goaltender, which are two things uh, I think on the blue line the Buffalo's been lacking for a very, very long time. Yeah, I think this game just in general comes down to special teams. You know, Florida's that team that can play on the power play. Sabres penalty kill looked great last night. I mean, it was against Ottawa, who does have that, you know, star power up front that we were talking about before. But, um, you know, I mean, they look pretty damn good. So I, I, I just want to see that power play. It, it, it's just got to come together. And I think those Florida's that team where they're going to score four goals a night, you know? So you got to find a way to smash the, the goal count. I mean, I, th- I think I saw the prediction on it from Chris. I think he said five, four uh, Sabres. You know, it, it, if the power play is playing well, I, see, I can see the Sabres doing well. If the power play is not playing well, I could not see this a as long a blowout, night. but it could be a long night. Exactly. Or a long afternoon. And I, I, I also see this as an opportunity to see how, players like Thompson and, and Tuck bounce back from a game where they weren't necessarily factors in. I, I know it's early in the season. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but you know, teams now also realize, Hey, Thompson's a guy we got to watch. I, I, I think last year was that year of everyone's like, who's this big goofy guy that, you know, wasn't able to stand his own two feet. Now he's scoring 35 goals a season. I mean, did it for one season, but I, I think he's. They just got to find that room. If they're able to find that room and on on the ice, if they're able to have the power play connect. It's going to be a pretty good game. If those two things don't happen and you have two lines running at, at high pace and the other two just kind of be in there, could be a long night. Yeah, you need you need Tage Thompson this season. I mean, obviously this season, but. Uh, in a game like tomorrow's against the Panthers, that's where you want that guy to stand out, like you said, on special teams. He uh, he got paid this summer. He got paid. Uh, and he, Kevin Adams was criticized by many for paying a guy that much for that long after one season. And it's a fact. He had one good season in his NHL career uh, at the most important position on the ice next to goaltender uh, down the middle. You know, Don Granado made the bold move to move his biggest man in the center, which, you know, really worked out last season. It was near a 40-goal score. But um, in my opinion, he will meet those expectations. He will stand, uh, you know, meet that pressure. Uh, you know, you know, he, you know, he's going to be gripping his stick tighter this season than he did last year. You know, it's much – it's it's easy to perform – I shouldn't say it. It's easy to perform in a contract here but it's much more difficult to perform once you've got that contract because now the pressure is really, really on you. Now the pressure to perform is really on you. You're, you're, you're the, you're making the big bucks now, man. People are looking at you for production, not just on your team and on the bench, but up in the stands as well. And the media and everyone knows the media around here isn't afraid to mince words. 
So I, uh, I, I, you need tomorrow's a game where you need Tage Thompson to be the difference maker. Uh, Alex Tuck is always going to be a difference maker, in my opinion. There's nothing that's going to change. I have zero worries about Alex Tuck. That guy's going to show up to play and he's going to perform. Um, even if it's not on the score sheet, he will make a difference at some point in this game, if it's a win. So, um, it, I, I, for me, though, that that guy isn't going to be an issue. But this is, like you said, on special teams, especially guys like him and Darlene really need to bring their A game if you expect to walk out of Keybank Center tomorrow uh, afternoon with a win. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously the power play didn't really produce much of anything last night for us. And, uh, you know, you don't want to speculate too deeply after one night of watching it, try to get to work. Um, A lot of that was not being able to actually, you know, get your power play set up in general because of, you know, Ottawa's defensive style, the one, three, one style that thankfully, which was incredibly frustrating last year because that was, how they lost that one game 5-0 where, uh, you know, Aaron Dell eventually takes out Drake Batherson, which kind of reignited the Ottawa Buffalo, you know, bad blood that's always kind of existed since, you know, that one legendary brawl. We all know the one. We don't have to talk about it, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, shit, I had a point here real quick. I just lost it. Uh, but yeah. Part of it was that they couldn't really break in. Right. But then other parts of it were once they finally did, I, seemed like and i don't want to single them out but i seem to notice that there were like an equal amount of like truly impressive things that casey middlestat did and then an equal amount of things where it was just like what are you doing and and again it was truly like a 50 maybe 60 percent that was great do more of that and 40 percent what are you doing bud and again it's one game and i'm not trying to say that he needs to get kicked off the power play one unit but maybe, just maybe, on the power play two unit, maybe knock out Akposo and give either JJ or Quinn that look. Because, you know, everybody was flocking to Olofsson on that second power play unit. He couldn't he couldn't have gotten anything done even if he got the puck. He, I think he got it fed once, and then he kind of, like, shot it a little wide. But at least on that second unit where Owen Power is kind of quarterbacking everything, Dylan Cousins is out there as well. Um, I, I do think you kind of want to sub in either Jack Quinn, who's clearly shown you that he can finish on the power play. So if everyone's got their eye on Olofsson, there's Jack Quinn ready to do literally the same thing on the other wing. Or, you know, J.J. Paterka, who could be that guy that's filling Gokposo's role, where he's like winning those wall battles and getting the puck back. Puck back I, th- blue line to get quarterback. I think it's imperative that you try and get Quinn going early. Um, 100%. The kid's a rookie. He's definitely... Definitely going to be gripping his stick tight, um, especially with a less than impressive uh, performance in his debut in, uh, in this home opener last night. Um, you definitely want to get him cooking early if you can. So I definitely agree with getting him some special teams looks on the power play, without a doubt. For me, and I agree with Sage and I agree with Steve, I, I think it's going to come down to special teams, and I think Buffalo will clean up their power play. I have faith in, in the coaching here. So I, I predict I do predict a six to four victory for Buffalo. Six to four. Uh, I I I, I kind of want to hope. I'm I'm trying to be optimistic, hoping that Comrie has himself a good first night out there, uh, and hopefully you know, you 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 play it you play a more tight game when you know that you when you do I guess when you don't know what your goaltender is capable of, and so I feel like the defensive game is going to be tightened up because. 
truth be told, you know, no one in this roster has seen what Eric Comrie can do back there. So mm-hmm. they're they're probably going to go into it with like a like maybe how they have to go into it when they know they got Dustin Tokarski back there who's going to be swimming half the night or Michael Hauser or you know God rest his soul he did so well in his like two or three starts but it's like man by the skin of your teeth were you doing so well uh, so I so I I, I kind of want to be optimistic and say that maybe it's going to be like a four three five three but I do still hope that it's in favor of the Sabers but I do also hope that Comrie keeps the goal total down to three. Yeah, I was going to say, I have a 4-3 here, um, and it can go either way. It just depends on that uh, the special teams to me. And I'm looking at their last game, they won 3-1 over the Islanders. These are, This is the Panthers. And it looks like Borowski stopped 32 shots. And it also depends on he, how he plays, too. He can be hot and cold, and, you know, you catch him in the afternoon. It's a little bit of a funny time to, to play a game, 1 o'clock, especially second game of the season. So, there's my key here. Um hoping they can catch the, the Panthers sleeping a little bit and start the season off 2-0. But I, I do have to say in my, um, my my prediction for the month, I have the Sabres going 5-3-1. and one. Uh, This was one of the games I do see them losing in regulation. So uh, fingers crossed that I'm wrong about that. But 4-3 uh, either way, Panthers or Sabres. Uh, I don't, again, I don't hate any of those predictions. Um, I was a little maybe more optimistic than others of mine. I just think that Bob is always bound to have one of those nights where he's off his game. And I'm hoping that tomorrow is that game. Get him, you know, get him while the season's early. Um, and the iron's hot for the Sabres, obviously, um, with how well they performed yesterday. And hopefully, again, that special teams, uh, the power play unit is really clicking, much like they, m- much like they were five on five when Darlene had that beautiful, beautiful goal. Just everything worked out perfectly. Uh, last, last subject, uh, real quick before we head out of here, Matias Samuelson extension. How do we feel about it? I'm extremely excited because he is a guy I think that will meet all expectations. He will, uh, uh, even if he has the same season that he had last year, this year, I still think that contract is paying for itself because he is just a tough guy to play against. He has some little bit of offensive flair, but in terms of taking care of business in his own end, he is an absolute stud and will just continue to grow under Don Granado. Sage. Yeah, I, I think with, with that, I think what's most valuable about that, when people look at him, oh, 54 games, what, he only put up 11 points, doesn't even have a goal, who is this kid? I, I think when you look at him, the value that he brings there is that he takes Rasmus Stalin, who hasn't had that partner, right? And yes. hasn't really yep. had that connection, other than Yoki Haru, who I, well, that's another story. But, you know, I, I, I look at it as letting, he's good enough to, play his position and allow Darlene to actually jump onto the right side of the, uh, of the ice. So I, I, I think what he brings in value is not in points. If he puts up 15 to 20 points a year, I'm actually okay with that because of his defensive play, like you alluded to. And he gives Darlene that, that he gives Darlene that space, go do what you need to do. I can actually feed mm-hmm. you the puck. I'm not just going to dump it in. I, I can get you the puck on the blue line. Go, go, go have your 70 point season. I'll take care of things at home. And I think to me, that's worth 4.3 uh, million a year. I'm, I'm okay with that. And as, as long as he keeps up with it, of course he's young, but I think what people forget too, is he was drafted in 2018. He's not like a, a rookie. Yeah. He's only played 54 NHL games and yeah, it's, it's been spread out here and there, but 
you know, I, I, I think what he's shown in the AHL is that he can produce among men. And what he's shown in the NHL is that he can actually play the body. And that offensive side is going to come eventually. Because let's be real, you're playing with Rasmus Dahlin. He's going to score a couple goals. If you're on the ice with him, you know, I think you're going to grab a couple assists. A couple goals might go in for yourself. Puts up 20 points, I'm happy. Nine to one Wolverines now. Jesus. Nine to one. Chase Brisky, um, not to sorry to interrupt, but Chase Brisky just scored himself a beautiful goal off this. It was a shorthanded goal, too, that Brandon Byro just drove the puck into the zone, went behind the net. You know, Prisky was driving straight down the center, just found him, and he just buried it. It was glorious. Brandon Byro had himself a wonderful preseason. So yeah, if somebody yeah. gets called up from injuries. From you know the Rochester, he, he, camp, he can be, be one of the guys. Yeah, he could definitely be one of the honestly, guys. Yeah, honestly, like after seeing that, like Byro, Byro had, stood out. He stood he out during the top of my list. He stood out during the prospects camp that we went to. Yeah, he, kids, kids, just a gamer. He was just everywhere. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, I, I, I definitely, uh, I definitely do like the Samuelson signing, and I do think it's going to be. It's a, it, you know, it's just a let, you know, a lesser version of what happened with Tage Thompson. You know, you see the potential, you see kids who want to be here. You're si- you're you're buying low so you can sell high one day. Yep, and, and you're uh, buying, you're also buying into your coach because yeah, you have exactly. that much faith in your coach to do with both of those guys to continue what he's been doing with Tage and you know get him to the next level and get Samuelson to the next level too. And that's that's showing a lot of faith in your in Don and Donnie Meatballs, Don Granado. Yeah. I mean, so I, I love it. Yeah, I mean, I've always been a fan of the uh, – I, I always call it like the good cop, bad cop defensive pairs where one guy's down in there wheeling and dealing and somebody else is holding it down on the blue line, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, always ready to go back at a moment's notice when you let somebody, you know, more offensively, you know, proficient like Darlene or like Power go in and do their thing, you know, do the thing that made them such a well-touted prospect and now NHL star that they are. Uh, you know, so I, I feel like Samuelson's, you know, again, in the relatively small sample size of 54 games, you know, I think I think he's proving his worth. I think he's proving to be a perfect complement to what yeah. Donald brings to the table. Right. And uh, lock that down for sub $5 million for the prime of his usefulness is just, you know, when's the last time we've seen asset management like that? Like it's been a minute. We've just been we've just been sending like some of our best players on bridge deal after bridge deal after bridge deal, and then just like letting them get sick of, you know, stagnating as a team. And it's like, okay, well, I'm not locked into anything, so see ya. Uh, we'll see one of those guys tomorrow afternoon. We miss you, yep. Sam Hart, but fuck, I wish we did more for you. Exactly, good guy. Good guy. You know, I got nothing bad to say about Reinhardt. I just wish, yep. you know who the people who were in charge at the time could have done more to keep him, get him to stay. But I know that that was a, that was a tall order. But, I definitely uh, agree. Definitely, definitely agree. I, uh, I'm big on the Samuelson deal. I think it's going to be a steal in a few years to have paint, be paying him that much for what he's going to do for this team and how much I, he will get to the next level this season and maybe even beyond that uh, in further seasons. But I, uh, I, I love that deal. I'm a big, 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 Matias Samuelson fan and again just like how he said about Labushkin he adds a, a brand of hockey that this team has been lacking for a very very long time uh last but not least uh we'll get this quick because my my MacBook is nearly dead uh last point <laughs> on the agenda is the Leafs suck 
Uh, we can always end the show on the Leafs sucking. Oh, we're going to need at least uh, another hour, Dwayne. Go get your charger. Right. Let me right. tell you something about the Leafs. Yeah, right. Uh, Buffalo is officially in front of the Toronto Maple Leafs in the standings. I'll bring it up one more time. Who cares? Uh, and you love to see it. You love to see it. Kyle Dubas has to, uh, you know, call players out on it in the locker room after the first game of the season, which is absolutely hilarious to me. Uh, that you're already doing it this early on with that payroll and the talent that they have on that team, a 60 goal score. It, I just love every second of it. Anything, anything with that franchise that really just brings them dread. I, and I love Maple Leafs fans. I really do. I'm friends a lot. I made friends, you know, at work at this work thing this week, this week, I, I connected with a lot of Leafs fans, uh, lots of guys up in Canada uh, with the company. So that came down to Cali. So, I, uh, you know, I'm for anything that causes them dread and causes them pain and just makes us laugh. So, uh, one in one start, Buffalo's in front of you. Suck at Toronto. I don't care. Um, and um, one last one last thing I do want to bring up is the uh, Buffalo Strong Hockey Tournament, which will be taking place on December 9th through the 11th. If you guys are interested, please reach out at Buff. Email us at Buffalo strong hockey at yahoo.com uh, where you can put in for your team registration, or you can scan the QR code, which we've been sharing from our handles at Dwayne S 39 at two goalies, one Mike or at buff strong hockey, B U F strong hockey on Twitter. You see where we've been hand, uh, you know, uh, sharing the information with the flyer and the QR code. Uh, we are working with pure hockey, uh, KIA killed in action, a couple veterans programs, uh, and the draft room uh, downtown Buffalo, right next to the arena. Um, it's going to be a fun time, and we're raising money for a great cause. Uh, the the families of the victims of the mass shooting uh, on May 14th, uh, three months ago, here in Buffalo. So, uh, you know, definitely want to. Um, she May, June, July. I'm sorry, much longer. I'm actually almost six months ago. Was it now? May, June, July, August, September. Five months ago. Sorry. Uh, the mass shooting uh, that happened at the tops, um, a coward, a racist coward, uh, attacked innocent and killed innocent, took the lives of innocent people. Uh, we want to raise money for their families before Christmas. So please, please, please uh, get your teams registered. If you want to volunteer, you can send an email there as well. Um, or if you want to donate, please reach out. We'll give you an opportunity to donate as well. So uh, definitely something you should be supporting. I hope you'll support, and uh, it's an initiative that we hope to carry on further into the future for different causes uh, with both ice and roller street hockey tournaments as well. So please get on the boat with that. But any last thoughts, guys? Well, yeah. I mean, first of all, just a couple clicks for you for all the work you're putting in putting on that tournament. That's appreciate it. I appreciate it. I I spent an awful lot of time uh, booking concerts and basements and community centers and you know event planning on any scale is not an easy feat but when you're putting on a three-day tournament uh with you know any number you know just just the hockey of it alone is enough to give you anxiety but just yeah that's that that's just a lot of planning you're getting into man and i you know i can't can't say how much i appreciate and just commend you for your efforts there it's gonna i appreciate that but yeah i really do forward to seeing how it all pans out you know obviously i'm gonna be there Thankfully, uh, I know I got a show later in December, but thankfully it's not that same weekend. So I got nothing, you know, I got nothing on the books right now, and I'm going to make sure I don't have anything on the books. So December 9th through 11th, I'm going to be at Riverworks. We are going to be doing it. 
Buffalo I can't wait. I'll pull up the uh, the flyer real, real quick right here before. Let's get the before before this. Yeah, before this thing uh, really uh, dies on me here. Uh, right here, uh, the Buffalo Strong Hockey Tournament, as you can see. Um, uh, that little wish. Uh, ha! Come on. I don't know what I just did. I'm trying to get rid of the the, the thing down there. But again, there's a QR code there that you can. Um, there we go. A QR code there that you can scan um, takes you directly to KIA, uh, the foundation that's helping us raise raise awareness and raise the money. Be taking be taking place at Buffalo Riverworks, um, and uh, you know, with a players party at the Buffalo uh, Brewhouse Draft Room right next door to the arena, um, and also sponsored by Thirteen Monkeys and uh, Pure Hockey, as you can see there down at the bottom of the flyer. So anything you guys can do, we have some pretty sweet jerseys, designed some cool apparel coming out uh, December 9th through the 11th. Um, hopefully I'll be on a phone call here in a little bit with uh, somebody from the draft room just to really further our plans for this. So uh, any help you guys can uh, give us, um, donate, volunteer, register a team. It's $500 uh, registration fee for, for every team, So, which is very modest compared to other tournaments uh, that I've played in. So, And it's all going towards a good cause. So yeah. with that being said, guys, uh, appreciate you uh, – Hopping on with me, Sage and producer Steve. Oh, thanks for having me. In. Yeah, I mean, uh, if anyone's been wondering my, why my eyes have been darting to this side of the room the whole time, it's because I'm simultaneously trying to watch the Amherst home opener right now. Uh, yeah. So it's not it's not that I don't find my co-hosts interesting. It's just that this is also very captivating. Yeah. And uh, Isaac Rosine scored his first AHL goal in this home opener off a beautiful pass from Pilot for a lovely power play goal. It was just a Oh my god, it was a fucking ripper. Oh, oh, here we go. Tyson Kozak. Oh, Tyson Kozak, so close. God damn, yo, these Amerks. Yo, these I love every fucking young kid in the system. They're just so <laughs> you love to see it. Well, with that being said, this has been episode 108 of Two Goalies One Mike, brought to you by Outlet Liquor, the place to buy a case. Get over on George River Boulevard to get yourself a case of adult beverages before every Sabres and Bills game. Uh, for Cully, for producer Steve, for Sage at SuffaloBabers.com. Give them a full to follow at where, uh, where, what's the handle for where the Buffalo Rome, Steve? I believe it's uh, 2G1M Buffalo Rome. Okay, make sure you give them a follow. So just start with 2G1M. Hopefully it auto populates. Yeah. Steve is consistently coming out with content from that handle. Make sure you give them a follow. Make sure you give at Suffalo Babers a follow. And, of course, if you're feeling froggy and you haven't followed me already, at Dwayne S39, as you can see on the screen there, or at Two Goalies, One Mike. And, again, please, if you can, support the uh, the Buffalo Strong Hockey Tournament, as we'll show one more time on the screen. Uh, obviously, would greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate it. Uh, great, great cause. Uh, families who were devastated by the – mass shooting on may 14th of this year uh you know raise you know to raise money so they can have somewhat of a better christmas and re, uh you know relieve some of that financial burden uh three on three tournament with goaltenders um you know there'll be a lot of fun and entertainment included live music uh djs uh you know in-game entertainment so please make sure that you try your best to get out there and show support either live 
being there or financially through a donation or if you want to register a team. So that being said, guys, thanks again for hopping on with us. Episode 108 in the books. Uh, we will talk to you sometime next week. Let's go Sabres. Hey, everybody, this is Dwayne from Two Goalies on Mike, a show where we give you a behind-the-mask coverage of the greatest sport on earth, whether it be happening right here in Buffalo or around the hockey world. Now, you might be thinking, hey, Dwayne, why would I want to hear what you two idiots have to say about hockey? Well, first of all, rude. Second of all, we bring in coaches, players, analysts from your favorite programs from ESPN to Sportsnet to TSN. We're always on it. If you're a Sabres fan or just a hockey fan, you can download us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, you can check us out at trainwrecksports.com or the Dean Blundell Podcasting Network. Thank you for your support, guys, and I'll hang up and listen. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com.